The following episode contains discussion on grief and managing mental health. Hello and welcome back to Graduate Gabba. I'm Abby Cooley and in this episode I am joined by PhD student Kira Gorman from the School of Arts, English and Languages. Kira is going to be talking to us about her PhD journey and managing her well-being, especially during the pandemic. Kira, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself? Hi, Abby. It's so lovely to be here. Um, what a pleasure to have been invited on Graduate Gabel. Uh, as you said, I'm a PhD student here at Queen's um, in the Department of French. I can tell you a little bit about my research, if you like. I'm working on crime fiction, specifically contemporary French crime fiction, and more specifically, again, on representations of criminal women. And so I'm looking at a corpus of novels that were all published in the last kind of 10 years. And they all feature women who have committed some kind of crime, um, which always, I think, disturbs people a little bit because I don't really, I think, give off the impression of being somebody who's super into serial killers. But then, you know, when I tell them that that is indeed the case, always gives them a bit of a giggle. Kira, your topic sounds so interesting. I would absolutely love to read that whenever you've got it finished. So firstly, I would like to ask you, can you describe your experience of PhD study in three words? Oh, you've caught me on the hop here, Abby. Um, hmm, I would say challenging. Um, I think particularly because I started my PhD in September 2019 and then COVID struck in the spring and I'd moved here to Belfast to start my PhD and then I had to move back home in March and I did the, the next kind of pretty much year and a half of my PhD at home which was lovely because uh, I got on really well with my family. I'm really lucky that, you know, we have a strong support system and it was great to be able to be with my family during this very uncertain and scary time. But at the same time, I, I felt that my work was was suffering just from the disruption of the pandemic and also being out of kind of like the environment of a, a research community and stuff. So I think challenging on, on that front, but also joyous. I've wanted to teach at university for a really, really long time. And doing this PhD is, is the kind of the, you know, the final step in, in getting to a place where I could apply for a job at university. And I love what I do. I love to teach. I love my research. I love my subject area. So um, it has been a real joy to, to be able to do this research, especially because I'm funded and not a lot of people are. And I, I think that has been a, a real boon. And I'm very grateful to, to be able to do this research on that kind of secure footing. And then I suppose the last word, I think I, I might say inspiring, <laughs> which sounds really cheesy, but I have met so many wonderful people during this PhD journey who are doing the most incredible projects. In meeting them and finding out what they're doing, it's really broadened my own horizons on the world. I have a dear friend who's doing a PhD on that incorporates sign language and poetry, which are two things that I had never thought about in conjunction with each other. And, you know, that's opened up a whole new area of interest for me. And I've met people who are, are working on, you know, very disparate areas, many different kinds of PhD, psychology, literature, creative practice, this kind of thing. And I think it's really shown me how broad and deep the whole world is. And that has been quite inspiring. Thank you so much. Sorry for putting you on the spot just a little bit there, but your answer was really interesting. In terms of challenging, I would definitely empathise with that, having done a PhD myself. Obviously, COVID-19 posed many different challenges for postgraduate study uh, for many students. So I'm just wondering what advice you would give to postgraduate students returning to campus after the disruption of COVID-19? Yeah, it all looks very different now, doesn't it? (laughs) 
it was very strange for me moving back to Belfast in the summertime. Well, first, because I wasn't coming alone. When I'm on campus now teaching this semester, oh, it's a very strange mixture of feelings. I think because when I moved to Belfast first to start this PhD, it was at a time of great disruption in my own personal life. I just lost both of my grandparents who were very precious to me. And so I was moving here away from my family to start this new degree in literally the immediate aftermath of losing my granny. And I, I really struggled to kind of find my feet. And it was a time of great personal upheaval. And so coming back to campus then the second time has also been in a time of great upheaval. And I think the parallels between those situations have really been striking in that when I came to Belfast first, and if you don't mind me getting a bit cheesy, I really felt like Queens put its arm around me kind of I just totally fell in love with campus something about those red brick buildings and the trees and the grad school in particular I I just love the feeling of it but also the people you know I really felt like I had found my community I think there's something different to moving from your master's to your PhD like there was only one other person on my master's course so it was it got quite lonely whereas here I'm within a community of friends and fellow researchers and academics and I think that has really made campus itself have this quite welcoming feeling. So now when I've when I've come back where things are still quite uncertain with COVID, campus feels very different as well as feeling still like home. So I, I think that kind of um, uncanny feeling has been a little bit difficult to manage. I try to view coming to campus as an opportunity to reconnect with why I came here in the first place, to reconnect with what it was that brought me to Belfast, brought me to this degree, brought me to this new phase of my life. And I actually feel really good when I'm on campus. I feel very lucky that when I do come back to campus, it feels stable. Um, I think that's really helped me with this like transition back to being around people, having teaching in person, all of that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I know that my needs have changed greatly in the last 18 months and I have had to adjust my my life around that. And I I think actually a lot of my friends would say the same thing, that during the pandemic, they found that the change in working, their own needs changed, that they've had to make adjustments. So a good example that I can give for my own personal life is that when I came to Queen's first, I couldn't wait to get into the office, you know, and I have a a great bunch of office mates and we really get on well together. And it was such a welcoming place for me to be, especially because they were longtime Queen's students, like I had done my other degrees elsewhere. So (laughs) it was like, you know, a, a bit of a transplant arriving here and they really helped me to feel at home. And I loved being in the office every day. It really made me feel connected to the research community and also to the physical landscape of campus. And it helped me to write because there was somebody else in the room. You know, I could hear somebody else maybe tapping the keys or turning the pages of a book. Same kind of idea when you're in the library. You know, you get into that kind of zone of other people studying and it helps you to work as well. And then when I moved home to my family home, my dad was working as well. And like my mom was around, my sister was going out to to work. She's a frontline healthcare worker. But I found it really hard to get into the zone of like studying and writing again. I just, my mind was too busy. I didn't have the sounds that I wanted. I was working from a desk that wasn't my desk in my office here. That really threw me for a while. But then I actually really came to like working from home. You know, I had all of my things around me. The fridge was just downstairs. You know, I could keep chocolate in my in my drawer. Um, all of those things, I think, really helped to, to make the working from home experience quite appealing to me. And I'm somebody who really, really needs routine. And I was able to build my own routine working from home. And so now I'm finding that working from home is helps me be much more productive. And that's a big change for me. But I've had to recognize that my needs have changed 
And so even though we're returning to campus and kind of in-person stuff, I want to stick with what's right for me in this moment and accept that the things that were working for me pre-pandemic aren't necessarily always going to work for me post-pandemic and, and that's okay. Thank you so much, uh, Kira, for giving such a honest and reflective answer. Um, I'd just like to pass on my condolences for your loss and thank you for sharing that with us and also for sharing your experience pre-pandemic and about doing what's right for you and, and adapting to that. I'm sure some of our listeners may, may resonate with, with what you've said there. So now I would just like to, to move on and just ask you what tips you would give to postgraduate students who are beginning their journey. I think the first thing that I would say is that it's normal for it to feel really intense. When I started here, I was really like there were a lot of plates in the air. You know, I was trying to deal with um, my own grief. I was trying to deal with starting a new degree, starting over in a new city. I had moved out of home, like my family weren't with me. I had no friends here. I knew one other person in Belfast, but they weren't at Queens. They just happened to live here. And that was really daunting. And, you know, you're trying to like move into a new place and get settled in your office and learn where all of the support services are at Queens and find your way around the classrooms and stuff. So I think it's normal to feel that it's very overwhelming and intense. And certainly you are definitely not alone. One of the things that really helped for me I promise I'm not on commission for the grad school for whoever's listening, but the grad school really did help me. There was a combination of A, it's a beautiful building and I really enjoyed the physicality of it and the sense that it's in the middle of campus and it's somewhere for me to be, a place to be. And you don't have to justify why you're there. You can go in and have a nap on the couch and that's totally fine. There's beautiful places to study, um, which I think you know, helps you kind of get into the swing of what life at university is and, and specifically PhD life is. You all host so many wonderful events, which are a great way to meet other people if you enjoy meeting people through those events. But also it gives a sense of community, which I will come back to, I'm sure, at many different points in this conversation, because it's one of the things that I, I really feel is important. And I really liked that the grad school was there always as a place to go to. If you couldn't go anywhere else or you were feeling kind of lost or whatever, the grad school was there to welcome you home, as it were. I think other things in terms of getting connected to community, my supervisor was wonderful when I moved to Queens first because he knew that I didn't know anybody. So he would always invite me to department events and I would encourage any of the students who are listening to this podcast to make sure that you go to these because it's your department now too. And I think as a new PhD student, we're all crippled with imposter syndrome, which, by the way, never goes away. But it's particularly keen in those first couple of months of your new degree. But you also have to take yourself seriously now, too. You're here for a reason. And if you go to these seminars and get in touch with the other lecturers that are there, peers of your own age or a similar level, that really makes you feel like you're at home, too. And I think for me, the, the, one of the most salient points of advice that I can give is that it's about cultivating this sense of home. And that's different to your work becoming your life. I have a divide between work and life and how to maintain that. And I'm not saying that you should throw yourself into absolutely everything that your department is doing uh, to the detriment of your own personal life outside of work. But I think the more that you can feel connected to the place where you work and the people who work there, the easier it's going to be for you to have fun enjoy yourself, ask for support, make good memories, make good connections with other people. And then on the more personal side, for new PhDs, you know, the master's is very different to a PhD. Uh, I did a taught master's. I think many arts and humanities students do the same. And then the research degree is a totally different thing because you're setting your own hours. You might not necessarily be attending classes. 
it can feel like you're kind of just tossed into the wilderness and I think that could be really hard to handle but for me routine was so important it helps me to feel grounded that I do the same kind of things every day I try to get up at around the same time I always eat a proper breakfast and then I try to work in a walk at lunchtime trying to get regular exercises. I've started doing these workout routines here at home. I'm not quite at the whey protein end of things, but I am trying. And I think that those things are important as well to make you feel like there's a structure to your day. And that includes protecting your time in your off time. You know, some people have different routines. Like I have a friend who doesn't work particularly well in the morning. So that's her protected time. She she does things that are important to her, whether that's the groceries or pursuing a hobby like art. And then she will work later in the day when, when it feels right for her. And I'm the opposite. I think, you know, during my undergrad, I used to work a lot in the evenings because that's the way that it is. You go to class during the day, you do your homework at night. Um, but I can't work like that anymore because I'm getting older now. <laughs> and uh, I have to be aware like I was saying earlier, that my needs have changed. And so my protected time in the evening is the place where I do nice things. And I write that into my journal. I have a blocked off in, in a different color and I write nice things hour. And it's not an hour, it's whatever time is left after dinner time. But um, I don't do work at that time. And that's really important, I think, because the PhD has a tendency to kind of take over your life if you let it. And so then that leads me to my last two pieces of advice for new PhDs. One is get comfortable saying no. I think one of the things that I love so much about this PhD is that I have the time to devote to extra research activities. And these are in some ways expected of you. You're expected to maybe contribute to your department in some way, doing a seminar, perhaps you're working on a paper, maybe you're involved with an editorial committee. There's an expectation, I think, that PhDs will do all sorts of stuff because it's good for your CV. But there's no point having a glowing CV if you're not particularly well. And we get unwell by accumulating stress. And it's important to remember that you have the opportunity here now to say no to stuff that you know is going to push you over the edge and to protect your own, your time and your mental health and, and your well-being. And then the other thing is that it's important, I think, to approach writing your PhD like you would with any other creative activity. You have to have the right space to do it in, which can be hard if we're all working from home during lockdown or you know, we maybe don't have the right equipment, but it's about trying new things and, and trying to find that right kind of setting and ambiance that help you to, to work correctly. Also attending workshops, I found really helpful. The grad school have run some great workshops about writing. I follow Hugh Carnes on Twitter. A friend of mine uh, put me on to him. He's got great tips for writing that have really helped me unlock it and um, make me feel like it's maybe not such a scary activity. And I think in terms of like practical advice for new PhDs for starting and are feeling daunted by the task of actually writing, starting with kind of low level stuff like that, like introductions and following this guy on Twitter or talking to your peers about it is a really good thing to do. That's great advice, Kira. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really like the way you touched upon the sense of connection. It just particularly remembering back to my PhD. Yeah, it definitely was a little bit intense at the beginning, uh, but I soon started to feel that sense of connection. I also really like the way you touched on the, the protected time. Uh, I really like the, the terminology that you use there, and I think that's so, so important. And I think our listeners will, will really appreciate that advice and hopefully take that on board. 
I also really liked, Kira the way you said it's your department now too. So it's, it's making, making yourself feel a part of that department and getting involved in different things that your department is, is having. So just thinking on and off campus, what activities have you been involved in that have helped your well-being? Well-being is such an interesting concept. We've heard a lot about it, like, you know, self-care and, and wellness have really become kind of buzzwords. And I think everyone has their own understanding of it. I think my understanding of well-being really actually connotes more of a journey. I, I really had a tough experience during my undergrad. Um, I was taking two very difficult courses and uh, was really just suffering with overwhelm. But also, I think burnout from having done my leave insert and then gone straight into an undergrad that was really demanding and I was very unwell in, in my second and final years I was really suffering with anxiety and depression and I developed OCD but I didn't know that I had all of these things I didn't really have the vocabulary to kind of understand what it is that was making me so unwell and then in the year that I did my master's my grandparents were quite unwell and I, it was just a very vulnerable time in my life and that was really hard I made the decision around that time that I was going to seek out professional help. So I started going to a therapist and I'm very open about the fact that I go to therapy and that I have been unwell in my life because I think pretty much everybody is. I don't know a single person in my life who hasn't had some experience of anxiety and or depression. And I think normalizing the idea that you would go to a professional in the same way that if you broke your arm, you would go to the doctor is a really important thing. Because I think the more people who can access services like therapy, the, the better everybody is going to be. I was very lucky. I was in the position where I could afford to seek a therapist privately. And that was a really important time in my life. It marked a great shift in how I understood this idea of well-being. So I, like I was working with my therapist on stuff that was going on for me. And also I had homework to do. <laughs> I had to implement new behavioral patterns that we were talking about. And, and that was really hard. Going to therapy requires investment, like financially, physically, emotionally, and also sacrifice. And I think this kind of gets lost sometimes in, in the conversations around therapy. We think it's this like magical cure-all or people think that just because you have been to therapy everything is fine now and you're somehow looking down on other people maybe who aren't doing things the way that you are doing but it actually requires so much hard work to change behavioral patterns and change ways of thinking in order for you to get better so specifically then in relation to work and connecting this back to to work and well-being as a PhD student I've already referenced this idea of protected time when I was doing my undergrad, I was working all of the time. Like I would get up in the morning, go to college, come back, work till late at night, constantly working on the weekends. I, I love football. Uh, we're a big football house at home. And I was barely even able to take time off to watch the football with my dad without feeling absolutely crippled with guilt. That's something I, have, I still have to work with on a daily basis. The fact that I don't work in the evening times makes me feel really guilty. But it is absolutely necessary in order for me to stay well. Like there's no negotiating about it. I have to have time off to think about other things. I have protected time that I spend with my partner, but I also have protected time for my non-romantic relationships, which I think is really important. And part of that are the off-campus activities that I do. Like the, the book club is a great example. The book club that's run by postgrad students here within the remit of the grad school. I started going to book club during the pandemic and it was a total lifeline for me. You know, it was a great way for me to feel like I was still connected to Queens, but also to other people. I've made some some of my best friends at book club and it's really been a place for me to laugh and, and to relax. 
And then, you know, on the other side of that, then I wanted things that were related to work that would help me to grow, because I think that's also part of well-being. So I was part of the team that produced QEB Voices, which is another podcast that's related to PhD and research life. We ran for one excellent season during the pandemic, and we're really proud of the work that we put out. And that kind of recalls my own personal motto, which is community connection, collaboration. That podcast really summed up those three C's for me, and it helped me to build new muscles and challenge myself which I think is also part of the growth that well-being implies. Teaching helps me too. That's an on-campus activity that I have elected to do as part of my, my research degree. I elected to do it because it's all that I want to do with my life. And I'm, I'm in the lucky position that I can do it and that I was offered hours. And in the same way that going to campus helps me to reconnect with what my purpose is in doing this degree, actually physically being in a classroom and teaching with people has helped me to do that too. But I think overall, really, in terms of like incorporating both on and off campus stuff that helps with my well-being, for me, it's really all about the small things that I do, which add up to a larger whole. That includes the, the regular exercise that I was talking about, but also practical things like a meal plan, making sure that I'm eating properly. I'm always hungry. I'm constantly snacking. I get really, really pleased when it's dinner time. <laughs> Um, and having a meal plan that I do on a, on a Sunday and buy in my ingredients for the week or whatever and, and do those things with my partner, that also helps me to feel grounded. It's a, a part of a routine. Same thing with like doing my nails on a Sunday night, you know, doing regular mindfulness every day, FaceTiming with friends and family, making sure I'm getting connection in with other people. If you're involved in, in academic research in any way, at any level, I think you have an abundance of discipline. And for me, what happened when I was doing my undergrad was that my discipline was ruling me. It was making me feel like if I wasn't working 24-7, I wasn't being productive enough. And that was really bad because I have potential and I want to maximize it. But on this journey towards being in a better place, I have learned to turn that discipline to my advantage. And now I am disciplined about maintaining protected time. I'm disciplined about not working on the weekends, disciplined about making sure that I'm looking after myself in terms of minding my mind and also minding my body. And that has been a real, real asset for me in terms of keeping me well as a whole. I really appreciate the fact that you've shared uh, some real personal stuff there in terms of looking after yourself and in terms of disciplining yourself and all those sorts of things. The word is trying here. Uh, do, do not feel guilty whenever you're not doing work and, and things like that. And I think uh, many of our listeners would definitely empathise with that. And I'm sure they've experienced this too and are experiencing this. So obviously postgraduate study can definitely create a whirlwind of emotions. And you've, you've touched on a lot of those already. Um, so I was just wondering if a student is feeling overwhelmed or stressed or, or things like that what further advice would you give to them that you haven't said already i think phds as well exactly to say they're like well renowned for um cultivating this kind of tornado of emotion i still get very anxious at nighttime my mind is very busy i'm worried about am i doing enough work i'm worried about the post phd landscape and fear for the future i think it's just really really normal in terms of like practical advice my dad always says, what's the best way to eat an elephant in small bites? And I'm sure we've probably all heard this phrase, but it actually really helps for me if I'm feeling overwhelmed. 
very first thing that I do is to break my tasks down into smaller to-do lists because honestly, being able to put a little red tick beside a completed task, I find that that's really helpful in terms of making you feel like you have achieved something during the day and it makes you feel like you have a handle on whatever it is that's causing you uncertainty. And then the other practical advice that I would give, I've already kind of touched on, is, is getting comfortable saying no. That requires sacrifice. It requires you missing out on maybe things that you would really like to do in order to protect yourself. It means that you're going to have to sit in the discomfort of that. It also entails comparison with other people whom you feel are maybe doing more than you. But you have to let that go in order to, to keep yourself well. And that means reducing your stress where possible. I definitely struggle with this saying no to stuff because I want to be able to do it all because I love my job and I want to be able to do everything, but it's not worth it to me if it means that I'm, I might get sick again. Oh, you know that phrase, you have to be the change you want to see in the world. And for me, I have to be the change that I want to see in my life. And I'm proud of myself for that, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. The last, but uh, actually the primary piece of advice that I would give to anybody who's struggling with stress and overwhelm, not just in the PhD, anybody who's listening to this in general, is to get vulnerable because that's really what has has saved my life in, in, in this kind of situation. You said to me there, it's so lovely that you've been so open about sharing the things that you know have caused you difficulty in your life. But it, it, it's actually only in being able to talk about it that I have been able to come to this place of feeling well again. When I came to Queen's first, I couldn't hide my grief. You know, I'd had two very significant bereavements one after the other. I was absolutely physically and mentally exhausted. I didn't have the resources to cover up how I was feeling. So I was just here myself in all of my vulnerability. And actually, I think COVID and the whole pandemic situation has made us all vulnerable in that same way. But being honest about this is what makes for authentic connection. And that's what matters. It's those authentic connections with other people so that you have people to rely on if you are feeling stressed or overwhelmed. Somebody that you can turn around to and say, oh, my God, life is kicking my butt this week. I really need some help. You know, that you can turn to your friends like I turned to my office mates and said, listen, I can't get any writing done. Any chance that we could set up a writing group? And we did. And it was wonderful. And it's only by being OK with being vulnerable with other people that you make the connections, the, those real, genuine, authentic connections that are going to help you to come out the other side. It, it really goes back to, I think, this idea of community. It's community that has helped me the most. The personal discipline stuff is important. But I think at this particular stage in my life, doing this kind of degree, it is that global community and our own research community, our friends, our family, our wider network that's, that's really going to get us out of it. So I think that's my number one piece of advice is to be comfortable with with your own emotions and, and with being vulnerable with other people. That's really insightful, Kira. I really liked what you actually said at the beginning there. There is nothing more satisfying than taking something off the list. Breaking things down in, into small chunks can, can definitely help with that and, and all the other things you said as well. It's taking these small steps. You may not affect all these all these changes at once. You may just change something small um, to enable you to, to be better and be well and look after your well-being. So yeah, just, just to sort of finish up our, our conversation, which has been so lovely, I just want to finish off on a very positive note. What has been the most enjoyable aspect of your PhD experience and have you any recommendations? This is actually a hard question for me to answer just for the sole reason that I love what I do. It's very hard for me to just pick one aspect because 
I, I said earlier on, you know, I've been working towards doing this for a really long time and this is all that I want to do in my life. And that, you know, that's scary as well because I don't know if I'm going to be able to get a job when this is all over. And I do really worry about that. So for right now, I have to just be able to concentrate on the fact that I'm very grateful to be here. Not everybody gets a vocation or gets to know their vocation. But I know that my vocation is teaching and research at, at this level. And I am very grateful that I have been offered the chance to do this kind of work. Maybe one of the most enjoyable aspects that I can think about is actually doing things like this. I love just being able to talk to other people about the whole experience and share the things that I have struggled with and have overcome or I'm, I'm working to overcome. I really think this kind of vulnerable and authentic conversations with other people is really what makes life worth living, you know, and I think the PhD has a rep for being quite an isolating experience. And I'm very glad that that has not been the case for me. Even in the midst of the pandemic and stuff, I've always felt connected to Queens and to my friends and my, like my friends who are PhDs here and, and whatnot. And I think that has made a, a massive difference. Really, Abby, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> Well, we have absolutely loved having you here, Kira. So thank you so much for coming on to this episode and for sharing your tips and experiences with us. What you shared has definitely hit home with me and in some aspects of my PhD experience. And I've no doubt that this episode will be valuable for our listeners as well. As always, we would like for this discussion to continue beyond this podcast. So please share your thoughts with us on Twitter using at QEB Grad School.